0: My arm went over his shoulder, his neck, and over my, uh, my, my leg. I, I basically threw him over my leg, and as he was going down, I hit him in his head, and uh, then he started to raise the gun.
1: I'm Adam Olson, and for the past 25 years, I've branded and marketed world-renowned athletes, personalities, and brands. Here, we'll share lessons learned and tell stories earned. This is the Double Down Podcast. All right, well, here we are. We finally made it happen. Uh, our first Double Down podcast, and I couldn't be more pleased uh, to have our first guest with us today. Uh, this man in my life needs no introduction, but maybe in yours he does. Uh, this is Steve Olson, my dad, AKA Badass. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. I'm really excited about this conversation. And, uh, you know, look, this is our first go at this. So I figured, who who better to uh, to have a to have a first with than you? I've I've had a lot of firsts with you, and you've always you know got me through the other side. And I know I know you'll be gentle with me today. Uh, so so I appreciate you jumping on and being my very first guest, Dad, uh, as I like to call you. Uh, others uh, have called you many things. Uh, we we won't get into that, but uh, <laughs> Steve Olson. Thank you for joining the podcast, the Double Down podcast today. Like I said, honor, pleasure, and uh, just awesome to have you.
0: I want to thank you very much for having me as your first guest on uh, your podcast. Very excited for you, as I've always been very excited for you. Um, Watching you grow from a child uh, to an entrepreneur, a successful entrepreneur, and more importantly, a creative individual, uh, a talented creative individual, and you never uh, cease to amaze me with your talent and ability. But I, I recognize that very early, early on, uh, in your childhood, that you were not normal.
1: You That's were, right. A lot of people will say that for sure. You but listen- were. T-
0: definitely I, I, not normal. And <laughs> but that is why everybody loves you because of your genius.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you, dad. I I appreciate that. And that's why I had this is why I'm having you on 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 the show the the the, the very first guest, right? You're making mm-hmm. me feel all all sorts of wonderful. So I appreciate that. You are well, all
0: I, sorts of wonderful. Oh,
1: thank you. Tell me about um where you were born and tell me about your parents a little bit.
0: My mother was a an executive secretary. She uh, Mm -hmm. was a very, very uh, intelligent woman when it came to numbers and organization. uh, She was very, very good. She was extremely organized, and very good with numbers and uh, very methodic. Mm -hmm. And um, she lacked the uh, the creativity and uh, the sense of humor that my father had, but she loved those qualities in my father. My mother was a very attractive, a very handsome woman. My, my mother's father was from Kiev. And, um, and he was a musician uh, in the army. And I remember her showing me pictures of him with boots up to like the middle of his thighs and very handsome uh, man as well. Um, and my father, uh, his family was from a town called Lemberg, at at any given time, Lemberg could have been in Austria or Poland, but was near it was near Warsaw, uh, mm-hmm. near Poland. Um, and today it's called Lubu. You remind me of my father in, in a lot of ways. My father was a a woman's man and a man's man. Everybody, uh, the women love my father, the men love my father, uh, because he was a very social man and he was also very handsome. So when you met him, you know, um, looks you know looks count for something and and at, at, at the end of the day he was a handsome man but he also had a very nice personality of course he wasn't was. mean-spirited at all but here's the interesting thing hmm. my uh father's father died mm-hmm. and my mother's uh uh so my my mother's father married my father's mother and the, how that happened was when my parents were going out they were dating, they introduced their parents, the mother and the father, and they married. So my (laughs) mother's uh, uh, father married my mother, my father's mother. That's the way
1: things were back then though, right? People met and married people that they knew in their community.
0: Yes. And here's the thing. So that my, my mother and my father got married, they were actually, Stepsister and step brother right, 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 right they were they married they were sister right. and brother but they actually had met before their parents had married right. and they, they were the ones that introduced each the parents so totally wild really a, a very very uh close-knit family um and uh, we, we really you know it was very it was a very interesting childhood and they were very nice uh, wonderful people my parents were very much in love i did not grow up in a home where There was a lot of hostility. That that uh, I would say that my parents' marriage was like one in a million. They never they never fought.
1: Really, uh, that's unbelievable. When
0: they finally, my father did retire, my mother did retire. They moved to Florida uh, in the Fort Lauderdale area, and uh, that's pretty much where, um, you know that that's where they wound up in Florida.
1: Oh, and I'm not I'm not sure if we mentioned it, but you grew up in the Bronx, right? And what part of the Bronx was that?
0: So, well, I, you know, I, I grew up in the the Northeast Bronx on Gun Hill and uh, Boston Road on Wilson Avenue. Well, uh, I certainly had a uh, an interesting uh, childhood. I grew up in a uh, a home where there were two sets of parents. So, uh, my mother and my father uh, married, uh, and my mother's sister Ann Cosserin, and her husband Irving. Uh, they, they bought a home during uh, World War II. When World War II started, um, they recognized that, you know, their men might be going off to the service, whatever. My father actually uh, went to uh, the Brooklyn Navy Yard and eventually uh, wound up in the Philadelphia Navy Yard as an A-class welder. Um, and so uh, during that, the, the war period, the, the mother, my mother, her. Her sister and my uncle, who was a musician, an extremely talented musician, and uh, it, it, he also uh, graduated uh, City College as an engineer. So he was he was an absolute genius. And uh, his children, his his progeny, his son Paul became a, a dentist. Uh, Paul's son uh, is a, uh, a conductor and uh, a musician and and more. He. Just incredible! In fact, our family is filled with artists and musicians. My father uh, actually went to Pace University, but had to drop out to support his family. But he also was an artist, and uh, I watched my father, as you watched me. Uh, I, I he wasn't he wasn't a professional artist, uh, but uh, he he was capable of that.
1: He was a musician uh, as well.
0: No, my father he, he he sang, but that wasn't his career. My uncle Irving, his his career was uh, as a musician. So I grew up in a home with uh, my aunt, my uncle, my first cousin, Susan, my first cousin, Paul, their children, wow. and my brother and my uh, and myself. So they were
1: under and, one roof.
0: Yeah. And my grandmother who lived in the basement, she had an apartment in the basement. So um, it was quite, uh, well, it was always a busy home, but it was busy with, with music and art and because my my family were very social people, um, they, there was always people at my home. There was always an interaction going on, always a conversation going on, always singing, always music. My uncle played the piano uh, and the accordion. Uh, my brother played the clarinet. My next door neighbor played the flute and the clarinet. And my father sang, and my 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 first cousin Susan sang. My cousin Paul played the the piano, so there was always music and art. In, Constant in my
1: jam sessions over at the Olsen. Yeah, and, and 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 and
0: always people. My house was overrun with neighbors and relatives, <laughs> always coming over. And my father had a wonderful sense of humor and was a storyteller and loved to tell jokes. And I can remember being at the top of the stairs with my pajamas on when I was supposed to be in bed and they'd be entertaining uh, neighbors or relatives and my father would be telling jokes. The, the reality is that um, uh, I, I, I really kind of learned to, to be a little bit of an entertainer because there was a lot of entertaining going on. And so by just by a byproduct of, of uh, growing up in that home, Uh, was to be uh, an entertainer one way or another to make people laugh and and smile Um, music uh, art and um, creativity of course all artists and musicians are creative individuals so I grew up in that kind of environment
1: it's it's fascinating to me that all those people uh you know grew up in in that house together it's like a, a you you were raised by a village
0: good and bad yeah good because you think you're being immersed and uh, uh and everything is so busy and you think you're being loved but actually because of all the people that were there i realized in the end i was really neglected
1: hmm. yeah i can understand that i can understand that because there's so many people there that you know you get to, you get you get time with people but not real quality time right it's kind of time in passing
0: my father um uh, my father really was a very absentee father. Um, he worked as an owner. He had owned a candy store slash luncheonette. And uh-huh. he worked 16 hour days. He would leave at six o'clock in the morning and wouldn't get home till 10, 11 o'clock at night. And so um, I really lacked that in, in my life. And whenever my father would pay any attention to me, I, I, I was crazy about my father because of the lack of attention. I I just sought more and more of his attention, which changed my life and my philosophy um, about my own children.
1: Uh, what, what was it like being a lifeguard in the Bronx, Orchard Beach? At last year in
0: high school, uh, I became a lifeguard for the city of New York. I worked as a city lifeguard during the summers for, uh, for 11 summers at Orchard Beach. I was a beach lifeguard. Uh, the beach at uh, at, at uh, in the Bronx, Orchard Beach, is a mile long uh, beach of, of, of sand. It's just gorgeous. Cool. It really is a beautiful beach. And what year was and, this, by the way? Uh, nineteen sixty seven to nineteen seventy six. I was a the lifeguard there, mm-hmm. and I was good at what I, I I I did. And not only that, you know, it was something that I expressed to you. You learn this as you as you, as you age. Love what you do, and it'll never be work. That's and right. And so, uh, yeah. I was making a very good uh, amount of money, believe it or not, as a lifeguard. Nineteen sixty-seven. I think I was making four hundred and some did, odd dollars a week. How did you fall into
1: that job? How did, how did how did you did you see a job posting somewhere? They're looking for lifeguards, and you just apply.
0: Um, I was on the swimming team in high school, okay. and my first cousin Herbie. Um, who unfortunately passed on at 37 years old from a heart attack uh, and had graduated as a lawyer and moved to uh, Boca Raton, Florida, had two children and a wife. It's uh, very unfortunate. I, I loved Herbie. who was closer to me than a brother.
1: That was like uh, your best we, friend growing up.
0: Um, closer than that. We went to camp together. Um, it was just sad. Uh, but he was the one that told me that there was an opening as a lifeguard, uh, for the city of New York at the time, he also was on the swimming team. In fact, Herbie was, uh, became the best swimmer in, uh, on our team and in college too. Hmm. Uh, he was a fabulous, uh, um, athlete. We could have been lifeguards in any of the beaches, uh, Jones beach, Rockaway. In fact, I did work at Rockaway for about a month, but I didn't like it. And I asked okay. him to transfer back to Orchard beach.
1: <laughs> the girls weren't as pretty, huh? No, that wasn't it. And, and, uh,
0: you know, that is one of the benefits of being a lifeguard. I won't get into that. But uh, uh, I did have a lot of fun as a lifeguard. And it was quite educational.
1: And so from so from tra- transitioning out of being a lifeguard, because this is 1967, you said?
0: 66, 67. Yeah. So this
1: is Vietnam's going on at this time. Yeah
0: yes uh quite a it's few like the of heart lifeguards. of vietnam Se- several of the lifeguards uh, had uh lost their lives uh in the vietnam war or oh. uh, or flew helicopters or, or wasn't uh, my brother was in uh in vietnam 1966 to 1967 didn't mention my brother but my brother was um uh, uh the first string clarinetist in high school uh graduated he was a, he was as good as benny goodman he was unbelievably talented and um he went to C.W. Post for musicology, um, but had an argument with one of the professors and dropped out of college because of this professor. And the first thing <laughs> that happened was they drafted—well, they drafted him into the army. He was in the Fourth wow. Infantry and uh, and was sent to Vietnam. And that really was not pleasant at all.
1: No. Do you think Vietnam changed your brother?
0: yes it dramatically changed my brother my brother when he came home he was never the same he wound up he got agent orange and um just physically and emotionally affected him and my brother died at a young age my brother at 42 years old they had hospice he had already had open heart surgery they wanted to do a heart transplant but they couldn't find a recipient uh, a transplant uh for for him and um at 57 he died in sleep but um he, he lived fifteen years more than they had anticipated. They had hospice at his home when he was forty two years old, so he lived to fifty seven um he left uh three children two two daughters and a, a son and um thank god they're all they're all healthy and well beautiful
1: yeah beautiful he left a, he left a beautiful legacy behind and uh harry Olson was was a great man and a hero right uh yes uh-huh one hundred percent unbelievable. Let's 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 uh, let's figure out what what's the next move uh, from being a lifeguard. Where 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 do you go from there?
0: So uh, graduated college, uh, uh, got a job uh, because uh, my cousin Herbie's wife uh, Stephanie was working at Bronx State Psychiatric Hospital as a teacher. Um, I got a job there teaching for three years as a special ed teacher, right. working with emotional disturbed children. But I wasn't making enough money. Right. I was so, driving a milk t- truck three nights a week.
1: <laughs> Wait, hold on a second. because uh-huh. so you, you're, you're you're saying all these amazing things. Like you've lived so many lives. So I want to I want to dissect kind of like where you were at and these lessons that you may have learned along the way. Uh, I know you're excited to get through uh, a, a lot of these things, but uh, to me, I have a lot of questions. Um, and 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 I'm sure people that are watching this may have questions too. But you know, for me. Uh you know there there's there's just so there's just so much happening here <laughs> you've lived a very full life. Um so you went on from being a lifeguard to being a special education teacher. and how many years did you do that? 3 3 years. So that's 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 quite a stint. Um when when you took when you took that job, um you must have met and worked with some really interesting children. Um, what, w- what, what lessons did you learn while, while working there? So
0: the reason I became a special ed teacher was because I, I was learning disabled myself when I was younger. So I right. never looked at, at a child, um, as just learning disabled. Uh, I looked at a child as, as, as to, to real, to see, uh, realize their full potential. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, what I, I remember with one child i uh well with more than one child but with one child in particular um i used art as a form of behavior modification because these were emotionally disturbed children mm. and so you you know you wanted to find something
1: that you could connect uh, with them on yeah
0: absolutely and um and, and 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 this kid had a phenomenal growth and you know uh, as an educator um, what you really are trying to do is you're really trying to help a child to attain whatever they are capable of attaining. You know, it's never uh, judgmental. It's never saying, you know, oh, they have to be this or they have to be that because that's the wrong approach. Bottom line, what I learned from that is um, the value of a good education.
1: hmm. Probably the value
0: of a, when I say the value of a good education, it really means the quality of the education that the that the instructor mm. is giving the child, the input.
1: Right. And 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 I think I think what's, you know, something that I've learned is everybody learns in a different way. Right. Uh not everybody is, you know, here's a book and you know, read that book and retain all this information. That was never me. That mm-hmm. was never me. Um, I need I need to learn in a more entertaining way. I won't I won't retain something that I'm like oh, I'm snoozing off here. I need I need a creative input um you know i, I and, and i'm sure working with, with you know learning disabled uh people uh or kids as you mentioned uh with this one kid that you worked with with art that was a creative and fun way for this child to to learn and it's interesting that you kind of keyed in on okay this is what this is what really you know peaks this child's interest and i, I would imagine it t- took tremendous patience uh, with a lot of these children, because you know they're frustrated with you know you know wanting to learn or you know maybe not even wanting to be there um so you, you have to figure out hey how do you get the kid to to kind of you know you know endure this and and be and be present um but also you have to unlock the combination of well what also is going to you know key in uh for this child right
0: absolutely one hundred percent mm-hmm yeah. When I was teaching, I couldn't afford to um, uh, to pay all the bills to support my family. And so I uh, I was living in Queens at the time. And the the fellow who we were renting a, a, uh, an apartment from, he uh, was working as a, a milkman at night. He owned a cleaning business, but he also was a milkman at night and um, he got me a job working as a milkman at night also to help supplement my income. So, so you could,
1: were working two jobs.
0: I was working two jobs. Yeah. And, and, and I, and that's when I realized I needed to find uh, one job that could support right. my, if I was, I couldn't. So how long,
1: how a long, year. that was a year. So you were doing the, 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 the teaching and the uh, the milkman, uh, position for, for a year. So what you were working from like, what, eight o'clock to three o'clock and then four o'clock to, I don't know, will you tell me? Do you ever remember?
0: Yeah. So from uh, eight o'clock to the end of the day would be two, three o'clock in the afternoon at the school. And then uh, I would uh, start the milk route at like one o'clock in the morning. Wouldn't get home till oh, wow. seven. Yeah.
1: Oh, wow. Oh, you must've been, you must've been exhausted.
0: I was uh after uh, so i was teaching for three years it was only the last year i was teaching that i did this and um it, it was uh, yeah it was exhausting and so uh then i moved into uh that's when i got the job of working for a paper company now uh, i called uh, uh, my brother was a printer and he told me that the paper salesman made a lot a really good living and i should try to get into that business and when mm-hmm. i i called a few of the places they all told me that it would require two to three years of uh, schooling in the paper industry. And I was like, well, what could be so difficult about learning paper?" Well, <laughs> they explained to me there's printing paper, there's wrapping paper, there's newspaper, there's uh, uh, board paper, all kinds of paper, you know? And um, so I said, well, if you hire me, I'll learn what I need to learn on my own and, and be out in a year to sell, you know? And I finally found one company uh, that that hired me and um is that new actually, i actually i actually created and patented a, i didn't patent the box i actually created a a sample box that uh, the corrugated company that i was having designed it uh, they actually stole the idea and all the paper companies eventually adopted that paper box uh as a sample box for all the different paper samples so i'm kind of proud of that you know i never made any money from it uh it was it became the standard in the industry wow I that, am a creative, I am a creative individual. I will say that I have a lot of ideas and some of the ideas have been stolen from me. I won't get into all of them, but um, quite a few of my ideas were, were apprehended, let's say.
1: All right. Fair <laughs> enough. I mean, no, and that's, and that's true. I know we, 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 didn't even get into it, but you also graduated with with an art degree, correct?
0: I was, a, a, had a BA in fine arts. I, um, I, I was, uh, so I, I studied art in, in college, um, and uh, um, I, I, I loved art, and so I took a lot of art courses, art history courses, um, and um, I, 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 I enjoyed that, but artists back then, I didn't have the internet back then, I didn't have a lot of the things that, that were available today, and most artists uh, back in the day starved. Now, I'm not saying that there weren't artists that were successful, because there were, but a lot of artists, most artists back then didn't make good money. And so I didn't pursue that. I just, I went into sales. Um, My father had been a a salesman. I didn't tell you before he became a a board into, had a partnership with that candy store, Luncheonette. Uh, My father sold Electrolux. And my father created the bag for all the tools for the Electrolux uh, parts. And he, uh, when they sent them away on a vacation, but my father uh, was an Electrolux salesman, a door-to-door salesman. So, so sales, sales, was,
1: is, sales is in the blood.
0: Sales is in the blood.
1: So you start working at this paper, this paper company, is this Newbrook paper?
0: No, actually I started for a company called Press Paper. And okay. from, uh, actually no I, that's wrong i started for a first line paper company called um what was that uh, hmm. royal paper i started for uh a royal paper they were a first line a uh, paper company and i spent a couple of years there opened up some a couple of major uh uh accounts uh, but there was a, a job lot company not, that wasn't selling first line paper, job lot paper, which means that the paper had slight misperfections. Maybe it was slightly off white, maybe it had a little couple, couple of little black dots in it or something, but it could be sold and uh, job lot paper companies bought from the mills and then they would buy larger size rolls and then make smaller rolls or sheet them into different size sheets. So I was selling for a company, a job lot company called Press Paper. And then from Press Paper, I went to Newbrook Paper, which was a larger paper company. And I was making some very good money there. And from Press Paper, I went to Arrow Paper. Right.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, I I, I had some, I remember very fondly going into this, into Manhattan. We call it the city growing up in New York, going into Manhattan with you uh, quite regularly uh, to go hang out at Newbrook Paper, which was, where was that?
0: It was in uh, on Bleecker Street. It
1: was on Bleecker uh, Street, right? Yeah.
0: Bleecker and and, uh, and, uh, and. and Houston? Yeah. Uh huh.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Shout out Larry Diamond, right?
0: Yeah. Larry Diamond's birthday was uh, March 27th. I forget the year, but uh, I remember his birthday is March 27th. He was an absolute genius. Uh, he was my mentor when it came to sales.
1: He was and a he really was, kind guy.
0: He was very kind. You would never know that this man was a multi-multi. He owned 32 Bleecker Street, the building, 32 Bleecker. Now, that building alone was worth $30, 40000000 I mean, it was an incredibly, uh, it was a wealthy, wealthy man. And uh, when I was becoming one of the, his little rocket ships that, you know, skyrocket, that you just, I'm like a missile that took off. I was really successful. Mm-hmm. And he said to me one day when I walked in there gloating, and all full of myself, and he said, Steve. Never make yourself more important than you really are. It stuck with me for life. Never make yourself more important than you really are. Meaning, you know, you can have it all. Be modest. Don't don't bloat. Um, because that, you know, when you get like that, it sets you up for failure. Really, because mm-hmm. you know, you I can do no wrong. Who can do no wrong? Everybody can do wrong.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, never, never, never become so, so important that you lose sight of what really is important.
1: That's really great advice. You didn't have any experience in sales. Did that intimidate you, jumping into a sales position? Or you were just full of piss and vinegar and like, I got this. Too dumb to fail?
0: <laughs> you know, uh, there, there's something to be said for that. <laughs> uh, so I, and I'll, I'll address that. <laughs> but give me a moment to get there. Okay. Um, so personality wise, um, I've always been an extrovert. I've always been a very social person. I've always liked conversation. Sales can be learned, but it can never be taught. And what I mean by that, there are certain people who have an innate ability. Um, so very important to have a lot of knowledge about your product. So you can speak to your product. Also, you have to have a bit of a sense of humor uh, to keep them entertained. That might this might my, my 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 sense of it, um, and a good communicator. Again, uh, find something in common with them. So it, it, hey, you know, sometimes people aren't. They don't want the sense of humor. They they really are more uh, more about. Let's just talk about. I don't really have uh, three hours to to joke around, but I just want to get right to the topic okay, we'll be educated about the topic, be able, to, and be able to communicate well, and also to find something in common with that person, some common denominator. So that really can't be taught. I mean, you can teach people uh, what needs to be done. I've gone out on sales calls with salesmen to try to teach them. And then you get the guy who walk in there and all he'll do is just talk in a humdrum, monotone way, you know, and you're putting them to sleep. So um, you have to never prejudge, uh, always, you know, go in with a a positive attitude. Um, I can remember uh, our first sales call where I knew you were like thinking, this is like the worst place that we can
1: possibly go into. I tell, uh, sto- I tell this. I tell story all the time. This is my favorite
0: we story. A, a, a Grecian pool. Yeah. We went into this place, and you were a young whippersnapper, hadn't gone out on any sales calls yet, and uh, the place was empty, and uh, the dust on the shelves, and, and you were like thinking,
1: "Oh, I thought we were dead. I thought no way in hell were we going to get a sale out of that."
0: And, and really, at, at the end of the day, who needs uh, marketing more? Than a company that's not doing well and it doesn't have any clientele coming in. Absolutely, who needs it? Who needs our marketing, branding, and innovating more than that guy? Right. And so, um, again, I never look at. uh, uh, I I don't prejudge. I go in and I look at it as, I'm, your tool, to success. Right. Uh, I'm what's going to make you successful. And if and 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 if you can convey, you have a reason for being there. What is your reason for being there? You have a tool that can help market his company and bring people into his store. Remember, he's—it's a, a captive audience that he has, right? It's just himself. He—he's not going out on the street and pulling people in. He needs a tool to do that. Mm-hmm. And what better tool? Than the internet, which was just in the very, very beginning.
1: We haven't breached. We, were, we, we were haven't. Actually... We haven't breached that subject yet. All right. <laughs> we're, we're we're about to. We're about to get there. Okay. We're about to get there. I promise you. Um, so so you, you you went on to have a, an illustrious career in the world of of paper sales, right? The real world, Michael Scott. I did well. I. DECLARE bankruptcy <laughs> For, uh, for uh, the, well. the office fans out there. Uh, yes, you, you, yeah, you did. You did very well for yourself. You raised uh, two boys uh, and, and a family uh, uh, in, in Staten Island, in, in a nice area of, of Staten Island. Middle-class and, community. Yeah, yeah, we, we had, I, 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 I always say, a very interesting uh, childhood um and, and and so let's talk about that. Let's let's talk about what, what fatherhood uh was like for you at first and then obviously kind of um uh as you know as as we got older, what, what that was like for you.
0: So I explained to you the problem when I was growing up was that it, it was there was so much activity in my home. I didn't realize this as a child again. Um I just thought that uh, you know, I was getting a lot of attention from everybody. But I wasn't getting a lot of attention from my mother and my father, my mother, my my mother wouldn't get home till six o'clock at night. She was an executive secretary and my father wouldn't get home till, I don't know, anywhere from eight to 11 o'clock at night. And so my aunt and my uncle were really the ones that were parenting me. And um, I got to play baseball uh, catch with my father once the uh, web in my glove broke and he said that was enough. (laughs) I, uh, he took me uh, to try out for a little league team. And, uh, at the, when we got in the car and I, on the way home, I asked him if I made the little league team. And he told me you didn't, it was only about a year or two years, years later that I realized everybody makes the little league team. (laughs) (laughs) My father just didn't have the time to take me. Right. And, um, so. As a parent, I, I said to myself, I'm going to be involved in every moment that I can right. with my, my children and their friends. I wanted them to know that I was present and that I was there for them. And I think I accomplished that. And I think,
1: I think a lot of parents probably do that. They probably parents always want to give the childhood uh their their kids the childhood they never had right it yeah. seems it seems like it goes you know they the, In cycles? I, I don't know I don't know if overcompensating is the right word but you know they they try to fill uh you know the holes that maybe they had as as as, as children and or sometimes I guess you could say it goes the, the other way where they just repeat right and it becomes a pattern um, you know, if they right. were, you know, if, if okay. their parents were alcoholics, they're alcoholics and, you know,
0: did you find that
1: your uh, friend doesn't always uh, happen that way. Anyway,
0: did but. you find that your friend's parents were as involved with their children as I was with you?
1: No, I don't, there was a couple of parents that I met along the way where you're like, okay, like this, 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 this parent is involved. Um, but most of my friend's parents were, you know, just, you know, in the background doing, doing their thing and. You know, really not getting too caught up in in uh, whatever the, the the kids. So
0: you would know. you say that but I? They was were out little, there too. So would you say that I was a little bit more different in that respect?
1: Oh my 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 upbringing was very different. <laughs> you know, I mean, but you know, but I I think everybody's um everybody. You asked the question, I'm building. Yeah, I'm, everybody's. I'm, 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 yeah, everybody. I think everybody has a unique upbringing, uh, in their own right. Just just like just like you did, right? Where you had this you know this you know constant revolving door of people kind of coming and going and uh you know and then not even not even going yet you you literally had a full house at all times it sounds like right so Mm -hmm. i can't even i can't even i can't imagine what that would have been like and i'm sure people (laughs) after listening to this podcast probably couldn't imagine what my upbringing was like Um, not that it was bad, it was, it was good, but you know, obviously just like everybody else, uh, you know, we, we had our hard times as well. Were you scared? Were you intimidated at, at having children? Were you, what was, what was that like? You weren't, you were, you were excited and, and, and looking forward to having children?
0: Mm. It is scary having uh, a child, uh, because you have the responsibility of raising them properly, um, emotionally. Um, and uh, financially right physically emotionally right. financially uh, to raise a child uh, correctly properly right so it, it is challenging I uh, um so there were times when uh I was fearful of having a, a child um I you were four, uh, four years from from your your brother and I really was putting off having another child because I was fearful uh but once the child arrived, financially
1: you know, fearful or, yeah, I was, uh,
0: you know, financially, you know, um, uh, it, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's challenging. And, uh, but I accepted the challenge and, uh, I wanted to have another child and, and eventually that's what happened.
1: So, you know, being, being an educator at one point in your life, uh, and then you had two boys, uh, that, you know, I wouldn't say we were probably at that extreme end, but we had our educational challenges, right? Where, you know, both, both of us were, you know, we, we just weren't students. Uh, and I, I don't think that means we weren't intelligent. We just, it just wasn't for us. Um, how, did, how did you handle that internally?
0: So, you know, um, when you have children, you realize they're not the same, right? Um, I love you and your brother the same. If I ever had to choose between the two of you, I I couldn't do it. I'd give up my life doing that. But uh, that being said, you and your brother are very different. And at the same time, you're alike. Um, So you're both, um, you both have very good communicative skills, verbal skills, wonderful vocabulary. Um, ability to communicate well with people, very good. And that is that. That is a tool that can make you successful in life, regardless of your education. When it comes to schooling, of course, uh, in today's world, most people wanna have uh, a good education, but Elon Musk uh, brought this to uh, the fore when he had a conversation with one of the interviews, I, I, I listened, and he said, he doesn't really look at degrees, he just wants somebody that's uh book learned he could be a, he could be an engineer just from the book learning without a degree just come in if you're uh if you have the qualifications of an engineer or whatever uh but not the literal degree itself uh he'll still hire
1: you there's no need even to have a college degree oh, well, okay. at all uh, or even high school The um i mean If somebody graduated from a great university, that may be an an indication that they will be capable of great things, but Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily the case. Um, You know, if you look at, um, say, people like uh, Bill Gates, Larry Ellison, Steve Jobs, these guys didn't graduate from college. But if you had a chance to hire them, of course, that would be a good idea.
0: (laughs) Um, And so my mindset uh, before Elon Musk (laughs) said that, I had already come to that realization that uh, you and your brother were not going to wind up going to college. You uh, were self-motivated. You would read on your own and learn on your own. And of course, I would always offer my guidance because I was an educator. And I always would stay in touch with you and compliment you you loved you loved that you loved to be complimented you hated when i critiqued you but the, the critique part really is what you know now that you're uh in business and you get somebody that tells you that they want you to edit something or change something mm-hmm. uh isn't that a critique they yeah want...
1: absolutely and I, yeah i mean look here's the thing every cre- there's not a creative person on the planet that doesn't get a little irked by a critique. I mean, there are literally memes about you know, <laughs> you know, a client asking make the logo bigger or whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, but yeah, when 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 a creative lays down his tracks, it, it, it pains them to to have to point those tracks in another direction because those tracks have been laid in their mind, right? It's the right, way the right. artist perceives the way something should be Now the thing about art is uh, it's subjective right that's the word I was looking for it's subjective uh, especially when it comes to to work for hire in a creative field when you're working on a campaign or you're working on a website or an ad or a commercial everybody's gonna have their you know their opinion on how something should look and and as a creative especially a young creative, and you've not been exposed uh, to much critiquing in the beginning. Oh, it's so painful to hear somebody say to you, "Uh, you know, I think we need a little more color here." We're gonna—it's like no, like this is the way I kind of saw it in my head. And now you're coming along and you're you're, you're, you're uh, influencing the artistic integrity that I've already, uh, you know, kind of came to a conclusion on. Um, and so that a, a young creative, it's so hard to take. It's so hard to take. Um, but with that being said, um, as you get older in this industry, and as you get more of it, you start to understand that you can't, you, you can't be attached uh, to pieces anymore. Uh, Cause like I said, a, a true creative uh an artist that does the art for the art of it and not for a paycheck uh, per se um you know they will they won't compromise their artistic integrity and most artists have that mindset right especially when you start off and you're young and you don't you don't have to worry about paying the bills uh but once you figure out it's a business um the critique uh the pain of the critique away quickly and the attachment to whatever it is that you've created isn't as strong do you have a a, a, a an attachment absolutely every one of any anything i produce is i consider like a, a child of mine right it can't it was birthed in my in my mind and um i uh i i love all of my children <laughs> you know what i mean but you know uh, sure i do you know, but uh, it, it becomes, it becomes a, a lot less painful when you understand, you know, it, it becomes one of these, it is what it is situations and you, you, the, the critiques that we get uh, on a regular basis, uh, you know, with, with double down, uh, I wouldn't say critiques, but requests, I like to call them requests. Uh, <laughs> where they say, hey, we want to move this here, we want to use another image, clients are always going to have their input, that's why they pay you. Right, they're they're entitled to that opinion, um, uh. So yeah, it, it it is it is for for true artists, people that like I said that are not doing it for the paycheck, they won't, they won't, you know, compromise their artistic vision, and and that's completely understandable. Um, but yeah, no, uh, getting that early on in my career from you, although it was extremely tough to take, um it taught me a lot. It taught me like, Hey, no, like it isn't all about your vision because it's not, there's going to be a client that has to appreciate this as well. And, you know, you, you, you certainly helped with some of your ideas and, and the reality was like, even though you gave input, sometimes the client also said, Hey, no, like I want to do this and we had to change it even further. But, you know, that's, that's the way the cookie crumbles in, in, in a creative field so now that we're we're kind of we're talking about our journey i'd love to uh i'd love to jump into that um so you know and and we alluded to kind of me having the educational struggles uh, uh or you know or assist uh, the uh, educational struggles is is not the right way of putting it because uh, the the educational sh- struggles of of the public schooling system i should say Right, because that's where I really struggled. I never really struggled in educating myself, right, and 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 learning what I needed to learn. Uh, I just struggled getting through the public school system because it was just so mundane. Uh, they, they didn't they didn't draw me in. And as I mentioned uh, at the beginning of this podcast, everybody learns in different ways, and the ways that they were offering, I was clearly not interested in. And 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 I know this story. Uh, that I'm, uh, you know, kind of the the story that I've lived, um, it's not an uncommon one, uh, especially for entrepreneurs. There's so many entrepreneurs that I listen to or I've met uh, have a very similar tale, you know, school wasn't for them. You know, they they figured it, it figured out school wasn't for them. And, you know, it it almost, it almost kind of lights a fire under your ass because it's like, well, now I'm operating without a net, right? Because at least you, you know the, the plan is it's like, well, I got a degree to fall back on, right? Like, um, and so, you know, you're operating without a net, and so that's, in my opinion, the ultimate motivator. Um, but I'll never forget, um, when the day I got my GED, well, like a couple of days after getting my GED, and I was kind of procrastinating, uh, procrastinating on what's next, and you asked me. What are you going to do? <laughs> are you going to go to college? And, and I, remember, I remember that day. Yeah. And, and you said, you said, well, you're going to go to college. Like you kind of, you kind of wanted me to go to college, which of course, every parent wants their kid to go to college. And uh, we even went to, uh, you know, the local, you know, CSI at the time. Uh, I wasn't depressed. Not
0: the, depressed with not the, the guy.
1: Not the, yeah. Not the TV show, but the, the college local SUNY uh, school, college of Staten Island where we grew up. And I was literally halfway to getting enrolled and it got real for me. And I had to tell you, like, I don't think this is a good idea. Now, when I said that to you, your response (laughs) was an inspired one. (laughs) Your response was, well, you better figure out what the fuck you want to do.
0: Well, (laughs) something like that. No, that was it. (laughs)
1: okay can we say that (laughs) right so i mean look i understand you were a little frustrated and you know you wanted you wanted your kid to you know succeed right and and there was no real direction at the time i remember i came home uh you know during this time and uh both you and mom were like we got you a job Uh, i you got me a job what do you mean you got me a job and i started working in the framing store you got me a job at Rainbow Gallery in the, in the mall. Mom got you a job.
0: At right. Gallery. Not me. Mom did. Oh, okay. mom, mom lived in the mall.
1: Right. So that's that's how I got that job. Uh, that's, you know, and, and what I do appreciate about my upbringing was you, you guys taught me how to work hard, uh, regardless if it was something that I wanted to do or not. Right. Um, and I, I don't know. I kind of think that's important to do stuff that you don't want to do because... You know, it it gets you through, you know, just shitty things, and you, you 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 kind of figure out how to zone out of that. You know what I mean? Like, again, one of my my first job. Again, you guys came home. You got a job at McDonald's. I think I was 16 years old, right? And 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 I can't. I was like, what? I was working at McDonald's, and I worked at McDonald's for a year, and that was the worst. I hated that job with a passion. It was the worst job ever. Uh, And, and ever ever, ever after I left that job, I never ate McDonald's again. So I'm so emotionally scarred from working at McDonald's. But again, it taught me to to get out of bed, get to get to work, work hard. Although you're, you're literally flipping burgers. You got to go through the fires and, 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 and it's, I know it sounds ridiculous to, to compare go, working at McDonald's to going through fire. But for hard me, and
0: steel, <laughs> hard and steel is forged in a fire.
1: Right. Exactly. Right. So, you know, um, you know, but, you know, again, it it taught me work ethic. Right. It was something it taught me to uh, yeah, there, there are things in life. And this is life. Right. It taught me that in life, there are things that we don't want to do that. We just have to do. Right. And um that was, I think those are important lessons. And again, working at the framing store, um, you know, although that that job wasn't so bad, if you will, but, you know, again, I didn't want to be there. That wasn't what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be framing pictures. Again, I loved art. I loved working with art. It was great to work with all that art. Um, but yeah, I didn't want to be framing. Uh, I didn't want to be framing uh, people's, you know, art and, you know, stuff like that um but again it taught me the value of working hard and uh you know uh, taking that forward um in my free time i started noodling on the computer and teaching myself how to develop websites and this is in 1997. you know as you mentioned the dawn of the internet and then one day as i'm working at the framing store i come to you and i say dad I think I got an idea. Um and uh I explained what the idea was to you. Uh I wanted to create an online business directory for Staten Island businesses. And you said to me, Do you remember what you said to me?
0: Yeah. Show it to me.
1: That's right. Yeah. Show show me what at least show me what it looks like.
0: That's right. Show I show me what it looks like.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What does it look like? And you know, cause and again, I'm a
0: very, I'm a visual person. Yeah. And also, um, you know, the best way uh, uh, when, if you know when you're talking about uh, something that could be a miscommunication, but if you show something, uh, somebody visually, it, uh, there's no question about what it is. Which, by the way, most of your whole life has been very visual. Most of the things that you create and do are visual things. Mm-hmm. Just, and so uh, I, I totally understand that because that's how I, I do things.
1: But Yeah. It, it, it taught but,
0: but me go ahead
1: yeah it taught me it taught me an extremely valuable lesson, like very, very early um never allow anyone to never never leave it up to anyone else to render your vision in their own head yes right yep, yep. right um because when you do that they'll see it a very different way. When you explain something to somebody, they may get a general sense of what you're talking about, um, or they may get the completely wrong impression of what you're thinking. But either way, it's a risk. And if you if you explain something to them without showing it to them, you're running a risk of them just completely missing the mark of what you're trying to uh, explain. So it's always better to literally put whatever your ideas are, Literally in black and white or in full color, (laughs) whatever, whatever, however you convey that in a creative way uh, to make them understand exactly what that vision. I mean, that's the very reason why we have mock-ups and, you know, mockettes and all that, these, that's, it's very intentional. And I think a lot of people don't understand that. I mean, a lot of, um, a lot of entrepreneurs that come to me, um, they always come to me. Oh, I got an idea. I have an idea. I have an idea. Uh, and and that's wonderful. Ideas are great, and I always love hearing an idea. But don't tell me an idea; show me your idea.
0: Exactly. Um, I knew that this would sell the moment you showed it to me.
1: Okay. So it was 1997, and and this is once again early days of the internet. Um, you know, I, I believe it was. You know, the .dot com boom was starting to happen um it hadn't
0: it, happened yet it
1: was no but it was on its way it was on yeah. its way it was, it was it was a buzz we were buzz. We, yeah
0: we were we were pre pre-boom
1: <laughs> we, yeah yeah we were we were right on the cusp of it because the, the the dot-com bubble burst in 2000 so you said uh after i showed it to you we're gonna you know, we're gonna we're gonna try to sell this thing mm-hmm. <clears throat> which to me was petrifying mm-hmm. that was um a very very scary uh proposition that's why i asked you you know you went from being a lifeguard to a teacher to a milkman and you jumped right into sales and that didn't scare you for me i was a flipped burgers i installed air conditionings as a kid uh i uh, i worked at a framing store uh you know so that was my professional experience uh i mean obviously you know, Seventeen
0: um, year 17 years old.
1: Yeah, 17 years old. That was my you know professional experience up until you know us deciding to jump into a venture, my very first venture. Um right. and then you say we're gonna go sell this thing, and I'm like, sell? Like say, what do you mean sell? Uh, I had no experience with that. I mean, obviously you at that particular time were a very well seasoned salesperson.
0: And a businessman. And yeah. remember Part of my, my me as a salesman was I never really considered myself a salesman. Mm-hmm. I considered myself a businessman first. I did have my own paper company at one time, too. I did, we didn't discuss that, but I also owned a paper brokerage company called Paper Trade. I remember method.
1: it well. Yeah, of course I remember.
0: So, so-, um, so I, I did run my own business. I, so I considered myself always a businessman first. So with me, it, it, it was always, if I'm going to do something, how is the best way to monetize that, right? But you have to love what you do. If you don't love what you do, find something that you do love. Just Otherwise, it's always going to be tedious and long and arduous and most likely not very rewarding. Right. Uh, better to love what you do, and it, it's always significantly better even if you're not making huge money, it's still rewarding emotionally, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, love what you do. Have a passion.
1: And I remember one morning you woke me up. I think it was a Saturday or Sunday morning. And you, you knocked on my door and you were like, you ready to go? I'm like, "Go where are we going? Get in the car. We're going to go sell. And your idea was we're going to go stomp the pavement. We're going to go door to door. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do this old school. I mean, we went. Well, there, door there to was door. There,
0: there, there there was a very very important uh, reason that I did it that way. I mean, that's and, the hardest. Uh, so so understand understand. You already mentioned that when you uh, some of the lessons that you've learned from the education that you learned in our business with with me was that um, show me mm-hmm. show me it. Mm-hmm. I want to see it. Yeah, so when, imagine now when you're on the phone with somebody, remember, this is pre-internet uh, boom. People really didn't even could really have an idea of really what the internet was capable of or have even an idea of really what it was about. So how are you going to make a phone call uh, from the yellow pages, which is mm-hmm. what we're going to replace, and try to explain to people a, a visual something that's visual? Right. Not going to happen. You had to go. You had to have it on a, a disc at the time or a floppy at the time and and literally show them, show them, get in front of them and close the deal. Yeah. And so, um, so what I did was I took the idea, the conceptual idea, and we went out and we showed them right. what it was. And that's why it sold, because it was a very good uh, way of branding, marketing, and innovating.
1: I mean, and if you really think about it, the approach that we went with, I mean, I'll never forget. Um, I mean, cold calling, door to door, it's the hardest kind of sale you could ever attempt. I mean we just solicited businesses, which is you know, whenever you walk up to a a business, a local business or any business, you typically see a sign that says no soliciting. Um and so we literally just were like, whatever, knocked on doors and walked in and said So you you have to remember we were calling on the local
0: a local merchant. We yeah. weren't calling on a large conglomerate business. So uh we were calling on a local merchant now we could have called on larger. We could have called on, we could have called on larger. We could have called on printers, pr- printing companies and things of we that did. nature. We did. I'm just saying, Yeah, but, but we could have called on bigger yeah. companies too. And we did. But the thing is that the thing of it is um, that's when really um, a salesmanship comes into play. Being a good salesman, uh, we were, you know, it's really funny, you know, you're 17 years old. You had no sales experience. But I used to bring you into uh, Manhattan when I was a salesman in the paper company. Mm -hmm. uh, Why I wanted you to see me communicate, hear me on the phone, hear me selling. And you learned a lot. Even if you weren't a salesman at that time, you were listening and you have good listening skills, good communicative skills. And so when we went around, here's the thing that I realized. A, Failure was and is not an option. Failure is not an option. Why? You're my son. I'm an educator. I know you're a very intelligent uh, person. I know you're a genius at what you do. You've already shown me uh, uh, the concept. The concept was a great concept. I realized that we could turn this into an advertising company and make it really, really big. And, we, and eventually you have your own advertising company. So I already knew early on that at the minimum was that you were gonna own your own advertising company and you were gonna be very successful. How you got there, uh, I was gonna be the instructor. I was gonna teach you business 101 um, and, and get you your masters. So we started off by uh, going around and showing your concept, right? The web design, which was a, um, a home page, a product page, and a map to the location. Our the home page would be basically a picture, uh, an illustration of what your company looks like, uh, with the your times, your phone number, your address, etc. On your home page. Uh, then the product page would be any of your product that you have. If you were a, 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 a sports store, we'd show your sports stuff because right at that time we weren't doing e-commerce. No, no. And then don't. we would have, a, and then we would have a map to the location right directions, and that's what we were selling and everybody loved it now we were very successful i think uh, the first year we opened up over 100, over 100
1: businesses. businesses in the first now, year which means we probably saw two to 300 businesses
0: i think we had a very good closing rate let's say we saw 200 people
1: yeah.
0: that, about 50 percent closing
1: ratio that's which, is un- cool. which is unbelievable that's yeah. unbelievable especially in the day that, do you remember the rejections that we got do you remember yeah. what, the, what some of the rejections were yeah. What, what, Go ahead. No, you 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 tell me. Uh, my favorite one, <laughs> which I tell people to this day, uh, mm-hmm. and your rebuttal was was great. I remember your rebuttal. Um, there, uh, one we heard very often was, "My customers aren't on the internet." <laughs> which is just, which is just funny to think like now in 2021, my customers aren't on Could you imagine my customers aren't, on, everybody's on the internet right now, right? So um, your rebuttal was great. Your rebuttal was, well, they're going to be, and don't you want to be there when you, when they get there?
0: And how, how perceptive was that? <laughs> That's great. So, you know, uh, the, that, that was a reality. And, 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 and they and, didn't believe so, you. They didn't believe well, you. So, you know, quite honestly, uh, so then I would uh, so I was working a full time job and I would do this on the weekend with you or even during the week. Whenever I had free time, I go out and sell. So I was really busy. Why was I doing this? Why was I so driven? I was so driven because I wanted you to be successful. But more importantly, I wanted you to learn not only uh, web design, but I also wanted you to learn how to be a businessman, how to uh, set goals how to deliver uh, on time product, to develop product, and uh, also how to edit product, to take critique, learn how to do it better, because Mm -hmm. I would come home, I remember a couple of different ones that were really uh, wonderful. That beverage place uh, um, that we opened up where you made the beer with the bubbling, that was, I guess I wanted it better, I wanted it more active and you did that. Uh, Spray City, I was like, it's not, i want something to show that we're spraying can't we do something like a make it visually like we're spraying and next thing you had this plane spraying spray city and you were telling me it couldn't be done and next thing you know you were doing it so i would always drive you to do something bigger and better um and it drove you crazy in fact to the point where i would hear from your friends steve take it easy on adam with the critique but you know (laughs) But the, the critique, really, for me, is what your clients do to you today. So really, what it is, is it was all lessons learned that was very important. No and then the it. other thing uh, is that when I would come home from work, I used to give you a laundry list of things to do. Mm-hmm. And I would ask you when I would come home, did you call X or Y Z? Did you call this company, that company, speak to Joe Blow or, or, or Mary Smith? or And uh, you, you would tell me, Dad. I can't call them. Yep. I'm 17. I they're they're not gonna talk to me.
1: I was petrified.
0: Yeah, I'm like, why not? Yeah. You you you're the one you're knowledgeable, you have the knowledge and information to give them. Yeah. You need to communicate yeah. this to them. You need to call them. Yeah. And so uh this was all part of a, a process, right? A learning process of what to do on a daily basis to make your business successful. yeah. And absolutely. so these were all very important lessons. A, you saw me pitch 250, 300 clients in a year. I mean, at some point, though, you had to learn the, pitch. the yeah, tools, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: how to sell. Mm-hmm. Because while y- you were driving the laptop, at some point you really didn't need me anymore. Uh, but what you did need was my drive. And what you did need is the confidence because you were only 17, 18, 19, 20 yeah. years old. And so you always wanted the adult in your mind to be there. Fine. And I was there for you, which, and, and, and I did have all this experience, but more importantly, I wanted to be there as your tutor to teach you how to be. A successful businessman, not only then, but for the rest of your life. All of those tools are all learned. Your communication skills, your art skills, your illustration skills, your editing skills, your ability to uh, um, sell uh, and communicate with people, to deal with the top executive, to deal with the low guy on the rung. Uh, to not prejudge, to to take the, the wealthiest person and the poorest person and judge them the same and to do a quality job every time, the best that you can do, but have a passion for your job, to love what you did, to love what you do. And to this day, these are all the wonderful qualities that you have in addition to your creative genius, which, you know, and, you know, and, and I still uh, love when you call me and ask me what my opinion is of something, because uh, I have yet to ever tire of being an educator, communicating with you and critiquing you. Um, yeah. I have a passion for that because um, and I and I'm always throwing ideas at you. I just threw one at you recently, which I'm not going to divulge, but which I believe <laughs> I, I believe can be a real uh, wonderful moneymaker for you but at at the end of the day um creativity uh passion love education all the one the tools uh for a successful businessman which you are
1: yeah and, and and you know i i could i have a very strong argument for the fact that you know the communication and the um you know the 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 communicating and and sales and and the business aspect uh, of of things that I learned and all the things that I learned early on uh, has you know become even more important as as I get older um, where I'm not designing as much as I was when I was younger right um, you know uh, I, I kind of came up um, you know through the system if you will of uh of working at other agencies and being a creative lead uh you know and being more um more on the design side of things and now as my career has matured I'm more on the business side of things and uh I enjoy both equally uh as much they're both tremendous amount of, of fun to me. And to me, when I was younger, and especially at, at at the age, ripe age of 17, when I first got started, I couldn't imagine the business side of things being as fun as the creative.
0: You've, you've moved to the point where you're in a position now where you hire people to uh, help you with web design or other kinds of design. You're still you're still using your audibility and still doing critiquing and editing. I'm sure that when people sure. submit designs to you, sometimes you say, maybe you could do it this way or that way.
1: I'm so constantly now you're more, doing that. Yeah.
0: Now you're more, and now you can understand where I was
1: with you. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm constantly giving input. Um, but you know what, you know, what's also important, especially when you work in creative with working with creative, it's, it's important the way the input is conveyed. Right. Uh, you have to give it in a very, uh, I wouldn't say with kid gloves, but okay. you certainly have to, you know, uh, give it in, in in the way that, you know, it's empathetic to the designer or the developer or whoever whoever you may be working with. Uh, because, you know, at, at a certain point, no one wants to, to work with a person that they feel is talking down to them. They want to feel right. like it's a level playing field.
0: This and- gets back to my earlier comment about wanting my children to be just like me you you, you have to communicate to them I don't want you to be just like me if you were just like me I wouldn't need you I really want you I want new ideas uh, more creativity I'm willing to delegate but if I have criticism of it if I want to critique you that doesn't mean I still appreciate everything that you're doing because I like all of this new stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, I want you to be whoever you are because whoever you are is going to make me better make my company better that's right That's why I hired you.
1: Yep. So, I mean, fast forward a, a, a couple of years later, we had hundreds of businesses on the platform. We, we, we did some really amazing things and we, we even sold through to some companies and clients that we weren't even sure that we could open. I mean, like you mentioned working with corporate and we did, we, we brought corporate restaurants on board corporate. We businesses. even went to,
0: was it Marvel comics or was it, uh, uh, what was it?
1: Oh, geez, Louise. Uh, I can't remember the uh, Harris publications. If you don't know that you can't,
0: you try. Right. I mean, in other words, it's when people always tell you, well, you can't go after this or you can't do that because you just you're not there. You're not you know, you don't have the ability. You know what? If you don't try, you'll never know. And so I'm always uh, I, I never got I I, I, I went, I always went to companies that people tell me you could never, ever sell them. Right. Never. They're just beyond your scope. You know what? It wasn't beyond my scope. It was beyond their scope. Right. Never let people dictate to you or or judge you. You be your own judge and you be your own success. Don't let people tell you that you can or can't. I can assure you that if you want something bad enough, you can.
1: That's right. You know, there's a great quote. Uh, I forgot whose quote it is. I'm probably going to screw it up. But the quote goes, whether you think you can... Or whether you think you can, you're right.
0: Absolutely, and that's 100% true. You know, always remain positive, um, and you can love what you do, and you'll always be good at it. You never, you don't set a clock on your day, do you? You don't have a clock that says five o'clock. It's the end of my day. The nine to five worker. You've never been a nine to five. Even when we when we had uh, Staten Island now. I can remember you working all night to the morning. I mean, there was no clock with you. You would work round the clock, and 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 tires, tirelessly. It amazed me, uh, you know, how hard you would work. But after three years is when our business started to come to a close because you were burning out. Oh yeah. And and, and um, I remember at that point we were at a point where. Uh, I wanted to advertise, get billboards, go to newspapers and really start advertising because we could have really blown this business up huge. And I and I understood it was beyond your scope and I was never going to make you do what you didn't want to do. Yeah. This was the part that I had to understand as an educator. As a partner, I, w- I was I upset? Yes, I was upset because I knew that this really could have gone wherever it had to go. But I also knew That I gave you the tools that you will be a success for the rest of your life. No matter what you did, from that point on, I knew you were going to be successful. So I didn't have a problem uh, closing the business because I was already making a lot of money. I didn't need this. Uh, But on the other hand, I knew that it could be successful. But I said to you, when you said that you didn't want me to uh, advertise and do this, I said to you, Adam, if we're not growing the business, it's dying. I'm not going to owe anybody any money and we're just going to close the business. Right now i didn't close my relationship with you and from that point on uh your next offer was with the company that adam padilla uh and adam padilla was uh, hold on huge, huge value <laughs> it's a, another whole conversation hold, right?
1: hold on so so yeah so we we closed the we we did we closed the business profitably yep. right i think there was there was money in the bank yeah right um but you know with that being said we we learned a lot of lessons both of us Right, mm-hmm. we learned a tremendous amount of lessons, and, and lessons that you know we we carry with us to this day, um, uh, and 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 I I cherish, I cherish the 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 time of working with you, the lessons learned, um, uh, working and meeting people from all sorts of walks of life, uh, all these business owners young old male female uh you know you know uh, some of them didn't even speak english uh you know we had to deal with like you know their son that spoke english in some sense um so it was um it was it was extremely eye-opening and 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 educational and obviously echoed through my in, will echo in, 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 into my entire career, uh, the rest of my life. Um, it was it was mo- a time in, in in my life that I look back with fond memories, um, and and like I said, I cherish forever. And it set me on a course. It did. It absolutely set me on a course. I knew, I knew day that day when we walked into that pool supply store, and I was I walked in defeated but I walked out victorious and that, that set the stage. It was, it was, well, you were, I
0: have to tell you, um, you were my best student <laughs> ever. Um, and I, I loved uh, teaching you, working with you. And I love even more importantly, uh, the amount of success that you've had, and all the people that you've helped along the way, because you have not only accomplished a lot for yourself and your own business, but you've also helped an enormous amount of people uh, to become successful themselves. And um, you have a wonderful uh, gift and you also have a wonderful heart. So I'm very proud of you, very, very
1: proud. Oh, thank you. And I'm very proud of you as well. Um... I, I we, we've gone way over on time, but I did want to get this in there because this is extremely you fascinating. Can break it up
0: into two parts. Maybe. I know
1: we might we might we might have to, um, you know, as I start I stated in the beginning of the podcast uh, that you know you've probably at this point in your life you probably feel like you've lived multiple lives, um, and one and, and one of those lives you were a black belt in karate.
0: No red belt.
1: Oh, a red belt, in, ta- in not
0: karate, taekwondo.
1: So you're a red belt in taekwondo. Yeah. And one day,
0: mm-hmm. oh,
1: <laughs> you call me up. Yeah. And you tell me, I'm at the police station. I'm. Th- <laughs> I gotta true. be. Th- I gotta be 13 years old.
0: Yeah, you were 13 years old. Yeah. I
1: was 13 years old and you called now me up. I remember a- that. I was I was not in my right mind. At that time your mom and I were going through a,
0: a legal separation and I was <laughs> um I was quite upset.
1: So wait, so you call you call me up and yeah. you tell me um I'm at the police station. Right. I just broke up a bank robbery.
0: Well, actually I didn't break up a, a bank robbery. I, <laughs> I, 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 uh, I, after they robbed the bank, these two well, guys,
1: well, well, let's, 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 let's tell the story, tell the story properly. Tell the story from your point of view.
0: Yeah. Um, it was, uh, the, uh, the bank was on, uh, I think it was, uh, what was it called? I forget the name of the bank, but anyways on a Broadway and Prince street. Um, and, um, I was online. There was about four people ahead of me. And there was this uh, Asian fella uh, who had worked at a deli. And I guess for the last two weeks, he was bringing in a bag full of money every day. And and these uh, two guys have been, uh, you know, checking him out uh, for the last two weeks, I guess. And they knew that he had a bag full of money. And they walked into the bank. I'm online. And this guy's probably five feet tall. I'm only 5'8". And these, both of these guys are about six feet tall. And one guy pulls out a Glock automatic, big Glock automatic, cocks cocks the gun, uh alongside my head, because he was pointing at that Asian guy, and said, Give me the bag, MF, you know, a mother, whatever. And they the other guy grabs grabs the bag and they take the money and they walk, run out. They walk out. And with that, I run up to the teller, uh, and she didn't want didn't know what to do. And there was another guy at the door. There was no security there. And I told him and Nobody did anything, so I followed these two guys down the back streets uh, all the way down to Canal Street, where there was a subway station, and they both go down these stairs, and I followed them down the stairs, but the gate, you know, they have a revolving gate, in, uh, mm-hmm. like the door size revolving gate, right. and it was locked. Now they passed by me. They didn't realize I was the same guy uh, from the bank, and as they're going up, they're, I only knew it was one guy with the, uh, with the gun. And it was in his uh, waistband in the back, you know, his back uh, belt. And uh, the other guy was ahead of him. And, you know, there's a railing that there was a newsstand there. And it is usually there was a railing going up. And as he was turning, whenever you're turning, you're off balance. So I my arm went over his shoulder, his neck and over my uh, my my leg. I, I basically threw him over my leg. And as he was going down, I hit him in his head. And uh, then he started to raise the gun. He's on the ground. though. He started to to raise the gun to shoot me. And then I did a a lunge with my hand right into his esophagus. And I had his esophagus in my hand and I squeezed it. I could have pulled it out, but I didn't. And then he was like, I can't breathe. And uh, with that, I hit him again because uh, the gun was still coming up. And then he dropped the gun. Um a police van was passing. I thought that they were on the lookout for this guy. They really weren't, but they saw that there was a commotion there, and one of the cops straddled him. Uh, they got the gun off the floor. He had dropped the gun. And the other guy ran, but they got him. The bag was underneath one of the cars with the money. And then they had they, they had they, uh, they went to jail. and when I went to jail, they asked me to testify against this guy. Uh, he was all bloody in his face. Um, and, and uh, they told me that the gun had been uh, cocked and loaded and that it had high-burst bullets. High-burst bullets are the ones that penetrate um, bulletproof vests. So they, they said, you're very lucky uh, that you didn't get shot, and I guess I was.
1: So, Tell them I'm uh, not lucky I'm a red belt in Taekwondo. Well,
0: I hadn't really been <laughs> working out. Then. So at, at that point, um, um, they asked me to testify in Supreme Court against these two guys. So, uh, long story short, one guy I think got five to 10, another guy got 10 to 15 years. They probably got off with good behavior. Um, and um, I, I testified in Supreme Court against these guys. And uh, but th- that day I did call you from uh, the police station and told you that I was there because I had uh, broken up a, an armed uh, uh, bank robbery, but I didn't do it in the bank. I actually, you know, I, I got them, you know, about eight blocks from where the robbery was mm-hmm.
1: uh, when i tell people this story people look at me like i'm crazy nobody what about people.
0: the one on the belt parkway where i pulled the guy out of a burning <laughs> truck
1: okay do you want to tell that story
0: no not really but i'm just saying in other words I, i'm trained I'm tra- I, tra- tra- I, I think you just remember i was a lifeguard for the city of new york i'm trained to react to a, a situation i mean that's I'm an just-
1: extreme reaction I mean that was certain. That was that was imminent danger. I mean a man with a a loaded and cocked gun.
0: I know. was uh, I was very distraught at the time. I I um, you know something had been happening in my in my private life and I needed to take it out on somebody. <laughs> so you were, you were looking that... you were looking for a fight. No, I was wasn't looking for a fight, but if one came along, I certainly <laughs> wasn't going to walk. Away. <laughs>
1: And then also, though I believe there was another time when a plane crashed into the water at a, at the beach, right? You were there. Yeah, yeah. You can tell a story. I mean, I was very young. You tell it, okay?
0: Uh you know what? One of those, like those those planes that uh, have like wings and just basically a, a motor and a a prop in the front. It's like it a like light we, plane, like a kite plane, like a yeah, kite. Yeah, yeah, plane. yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and
1: um and uh um. I think it was a point pleasant
0: yeah it, uh, yeah it was uh, down around the belmore area right point pleasant uh, belmore in that area and we were at the beach and the plane was coming in real low and i and i was like that plane's gonna crash and sure enough crashed right into the water and i uh i went out there you know the plane went down and i i dove to save the guy but I, he was already out he had gotten out uh, so but i i don't i didn't uh, pull him out but I, I did
1: you reached the plane I did really there.
0: I did dive down but he wasn't there so <laughs> but uh yeah but the, the, I did pull the guy out of a burning we were on the belt parkway we were going to a party in Long Island uh from Staten Island and I said this truck was like you could see was top heavy and I said this truck is going to go over and as soon as I said this truck is going to go over it flipped on its side uh do you remember that
1: I, I, yeah well I mean and- I was very young so yeah, and um and then it, the,
0: the the cab started to go on fire. Uh well there was one guy in it and then wound up he had a broken leg. So I, I pulled him out. He had a I put him in a fireman's carry. I carried him about twenty-five yards away. Everybody uh, all the traffic had stopped. They were all applauding <laughs> and going, you know, bravo and everything. And the fire engines were coming, but your mom insisted we get yeah, going.
1: That's you know what, I what I remember. I, I remember I remember mom being upset because we were gonna be late for the party.
0: Exactly. because <laughs> you didn't care about me being a hero, <laughs> like get in the car and start driving. So I left these two guys because the fire could see the fire uh engine coming and uh, we got in the car and we drove away. We were so already I, late. I never was I was never recognized by the city of New York for that or received any commendation. Uh, but we did make the party.
1: You're just like this superhero that shows up, does a job, and nobody ever knows who you are or otherwise, right? you you're 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 who is that masked man? That's you. Yeah.
0: That's true, and even with the one that, with the ones that were arrested in the city at the time, I said I didn't want them to give out my name because I didn't want uh, them to spray my house with bullets. So uh, I was anonymous there as well.
1: Right. Wow. Well, like I said, you know,
0: uh, you know the thing. Even when I was, I I'm say on average when I was a lifeguard, about sixty people a summer. You'd be surprised. Maybe once or twice, somebody said thank you for saving them. You're kidding, but, but you know because they're in a state of shock that they don't think to thank you you know so it's a thankless job being a hero believe me
1: no kidding no kidding well once again as i mentioned the many lives of steve olson uh (laughs) aka badass right and and i think that name is well earned. so dad as i like to call you thank you so much for joining me today on my very first podcast this made it all the more special i really really appreciate it i love you so much uh thank you for everything uh throughout the years and, and I would uh, like to
0: give a shout out to Oh uh, shout out I would like to give a shout out to Michael yeah. uh to all of Michael's friends to willie Gutierrez uh, you know just to you know all of Michael's friends um and and then to none uh, of my, all none of, of
1: my friends. No,
0: <laughs> and, and 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 to all of and to all of your friends to Alex Uh, to, to Pat Murphy, who helped you get started with your computer, Um, you know, to all of your friends. There are so many people, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, to Beyond the you know, um, uh, so many, so many people, so many friends and relatives. I just want to shout out to everybody and uh, hope we didn't bore the heck out of you.
1: (laughs) Well, that was very kind of you to take your moment in the sun and and get and give and share it and give, uh, give shout outs. This is why I love you.
0: And to your mom, because, you know, your mom is responsible for you and your brother as well.
1: We wouldn't, I wouldn't be here. She was, she, That's was, right. she was one half of the equation. So right. one, once again, uh, I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for, you know, hanging out for these, uh, you know, for this podcast, you, you, you've been great. Uh, like I said, you made this podcast, this ex, this first podcast extra special. Uh, so thank you once again. And, uh, I'm sure I'll talk to you soon.
0: Well, thanks again for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation. I hope I wasn't boring.
1: You were great. You were great. I promise. (laughs) Well, thanks for joining us, guys. And uh, be sure to subscribe if you're not already subscribed. Uh, I look forward to bringing you more great conversations like this one today. Um, Thanks again for joining and uh, we'll see on the next one. Bye, guys.
0: Okay, so here we are, all the residents that are in, in the house at 3242. Yeah. Harry's on the steps. There we are, here's the people currently in the house. 3242. So this is 3242 Wilson Avenue. Here's where we used to play stoop ball and where we played box ball right over here where Harry is. And and guess who's guess who's right next to 3242 Wilson Avenue? Who is this? Who can this be? Isn't that Blanche Smiles? Blanche is still here, still looking as young as ever. We're actually allowed to go into 3242, my original home. I can't believe I'm actually going in this house. I never ever thought. This is my
1: house. How you all doing? You're
0: watching a movie, huh? Wow, they still have the wallpaper up from when we moved the left here. This is the original wallpaper. And here it is. This is it. This is the hallway. Going upstairs. The original railings that we had up there. The closet that my uh, father built. And here we are going in the kitchen. This is the kitchen.
1: The living room, dining room.
0: Kitchen. And here's the back room where uh, we used to have the bar.
1: All the outsoles, all the
0: and now we're in the backyard. And this is the backyard. It seems so much bigger. When we were kids, I can't believe this. Right over here, is the sewer this, the kids wa- are this home I'm walking. This is the sewer where we would play stickball. That was, that was home track. plate. We would then hit the ball,
1: and, it, hit the big tree, we and it would go this way, the all, all the, the way up,
0: up uh, all the way up the block. I hit it. Oh come on! No, oh, no, forget this. Uh huh. New York Yankees don't need you. Oh no, that's it. Steinbrenner will fire
1: you, man. There'll be
0: no benefits. Why? Oh, no, listen to me. Listen to me. You gonna need a union, okay? You in the wrong end. Okay.
1: <laughs>